Roxy, Instagram memories reminded me last week that I moved to New York City five years ago. Yay! Happy New York anniversary. Five years ago, were you considering other cities? Like, was New York one of a list? There was only one other option. And let's say he is really into cowboy hats, brisket, and personal finances. Sounds like a honky-tonk good time to me. You don't see many cowboy boots in New York City. Uh, Don't forget the naked cowboy in Times Square. From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two Christian women having a whirlwind love affair with New York. I'm Caitlin Beatty. And I'm Roxy Stone. I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. This week on The State of Belief. I felt like if anyone was going to be speaking up, it was going to have to be somebody like me. Faithful conversations around sexual orientation and gender identity in Texas with Auburn Peterson of Another Story. Also, getting ready for the 2024 vote with Adam Friedman, organizing an election strategist at Interfaith Alliance. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app. I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. The State of Belief is a weekly podcast with a potent mix of spiritual wisdom, political strategy, and hopeful commentary. In a series of inspiring conversations, celebrating our diversity, and bringing us together to, in the words of the great James Baldwin, achieve our country. The State of Belief where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app. I have a pretty solid guess who or where your other suitor slash city was, mostly because I think it's the same place I almost ended up. That's right. Uh, This week, as y'all probably guessed from the title, emphasis on y'all, we're doing a deep dive on the one that got away, Nashville. Nashville is arguably ground zero for the God business. It's where faith and commerce blend easily and where evangelical gurus can make their millions. Hello, Dave Ramsey. According to the Tennessean, Williamson County, Tennessee, and Franklin, Tennessee in particular, they are on track to become the new evangelical capitals of the United States, taking over the uh, crown from Colorado Springs, near where I grew up, the old evangelical Vatican. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nashville now is a place where you can, yeah, you can make a lot of money by being a Christian in public. Nashville is ranked as one of America's fastest growing cities. It's also a place where Christian national nationalism has grown in alarming ways. Last month, RNS's Bob Smetana reported that the suburbs south of Nashville have become a hotbed for MAGA mania, as well as controversy over critical race theory and vaccine skepticism. David French is a New York Times columnist who lives in Franklin. He said, quote, this is not like the voice of the forgotten coal miner in West Virginia. This is some of the most privileged people in the whole United States of America acting like they're on the brink of unimaginable persecution. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, part of what Bob pointed out in his article on the rise of Christian Nashvilleism Mm, which I see what he did. He didn't do it. Technically, Phil Vischer first coined that phrase, but it's a good one. But part of the whole point of his article was like this sort of 
white nationalism, Christian nationalism um, is built a lot more on a sort of a fear of losing um, of losing a way of life. Uh-huh. And you know, there's there's been a plenty of conversation in the national media about the uh, infamously so-called deplorables, you know, the sort of poor people in the hills or something, that those are the only ones driving MAGA. Mm-hmm. But a big part of this article and a big part of, honestly, the polling numbers is that, like, it's the suburbs. Mm-hmm. It's places where white people live in privilege. White Christians. And are afraid of losing that privilege. White Christians in particular. Exactly. Especially right outside Nashville. And so, yeah, these are not people who fit the stereotype of the working class where mm-hmm. Trump is a champion of lifting them out of poverty or out of being left behind. There's like a perceived loss of social power or like a social mm-hmm. poverty. And we're pooling our resources in this particular place to kind of consolidate and preserve and protect and also lining up behind politicians who are promising to do the same. Right. Because Franklin is not <laughs> Franklin is is not a economically depressed place. Not at all. Some of the richest people in the state live there. And so yeah, there's this this sense of wanting to keep a certain way of life that also and often gets couched in values, right? Like we want to keep our Christian values, we want to keep family values, but the reality is it it turns into like not allowing as much immigration or not allowing certain things to be taught in school that might interfere mm-hmm. with a certain way of characterizing America's past, especially around race and slavery, for example. There's been a lot of school board wars in these Mm -hmm. Nashville suburbs. One of the details in Bob's piece was about what took place at a school board meeting in the Nashville suburbs during the pandemic and, you know, Mm -hmm. schools closing down. There were particular Christians who showed up at a school board meeting threatening doctors and other health professionals, and some were shouting, we know where you live. That's frightening. <laughs> I mean, you you hear about the, like how awful school board meetings were over the last few years. And it's like, these are Christians kind of like making these threats to mm-hmm. people trying to do their jobs. Well, let's go back. Why did we almost move to Nashville? Now, I take it neither of us were like, I want to move to Franklin. <laughs> Not the least because I doubt that there would have been many homes we could afford right. in Franklin, but Nashville broader, obviously what's happening in Franklin and Williamson County does not account for every, you know, every subculture or group or neighborhood in Nashville. So why more broadly did we want to move to this city? Hmm. Let us rewind. In your case, five years in mine, more like 10, but then also again, like five years years ago, four years ago, I thought I was again, like, do I move to Nashville? Really? Um, you had thought yeah. about it after you left Orlando. Right. When I, I was moving from Orlando to New York, Nashville was on the list. And then when I left New York for a couple of years, um, for about a year and a half, I guess, um, when mm-hmm. I was kind of deciding, do I want to move back to New York? The other strong option for me was Nashville as well as Colorado. Um, and what was, what was, so why did Nashville end up on your list twice? Do you think? Friends. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it boiled down to. I, I have my strongest, like locus of friends is 
New York City, and Nashville. Uh And weirdly, like when I left Orlando, it was sort of, we, all my friends in Orlando were kind of like relevant. Like I met them all at relevant, the work magazine. Yes. When you say they were all relevant. I, I, Exactly. I don't yeah. think they were like culturally relevant or something. Although that well, was supposed probably to be the point, were. I guess. Um, but anyway, so all of my friends had come from work, and in Orlando, most of them were that or work adjacent. And I don't quite remember the impetus, but like a couple people moved to Nashville, and then a couple more people moved to Nashville, and suddenly, mm-hmm. like, I had, I think seven or eight, like former co-workers that now all lived in Nashville. And so there was a real draw. There was this sense of like, oh, we could kind of recreate what we had as friends in Orlando mm-hmm. again in this other city in Nashville. And a lot of, not all of them moved into the same neighborhood, but a good number of them did. They lived within like walking distance of each other in East Nashville or pretty close by. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it just seemed fun. It seemed like I could kind of do a 2.0. Mm-hmm. What about you? I would say very similar impetus, just knowing so many people who live there or lived there. Like if you work in any kind of faith adjacent nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. public book publishing, you're passing through Nashville at some point. And yeah. so if your professional life also intersects with your social life and you're like your friend group, I just felt like and this is true today, like if I were to move to Nashville, there'd be 10 people right off the bat that I would like connect with, you know, and that feels more, that feels easier moving to a new place than Mm -hmm. not knowing anybody or only knowing a few people. So there's something about the consolidation of like Christian or faith adjacent life there that just means because we're in that world, we're going to know a lot of people there, including some of our former guests. Yeah, a <laughs> like, number. I think probably a disproportionate number of our guests live in Nashville. Like maybe even more, like not in co- not counting ourselves, like maybe even more guests in Nashville than in New York. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Russell Moore, Audrey Assad, Annie Downs, Annie Parsons used to live in Nashville, Amy Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously representing different <laughs> pockets of life in Nashville. Tyler Huckabee. Tyler. Oh yeah. Tyler Huckabee. I also, I do think about, I don't know if this is true anymore, honestly, but because of how quickly Nashville has grown and gentrified, but at the time, the idea of home ownership felt like Mm -hmm. something that I wanted to try. And that obviously felt more feasible in Nashville than in New York. Yes. All of my friends who moved from Orlando to Nashville own homes in Nashville now. (laughs) And have probably benefited from that? I imagine quite a lot. <laughs> so we benefited from the boom. Yes, there has Nashville. definitely it been a It is a growing boom. city. And it's, yes. you know, the Christian industry is a big part of that. Also, of course, you have Christian music industry, you know, and then the publishing and the personal finance and everything else. But you've also got country music. And then there's been a huge influx of tech companies that have come into Nashville too. So it's a Mm. popular destination. It's a place people are moving to. One of our former guests, Kate Shelnut, used to live in Nashville for a time. She's a religion reporter and she has said, all religion reporting roads lead through a greater Nashville. 
apparently. So it's a place Mm. where, like, if you want to understand religion and public life, or especially Christianity and public life, you need to spend some time in Nashville. I didn't have a chance to do this in my book on celebrity, but I I could have spent a whole chapter just on (laughs) the Christian celebrity world of Nashville. (laughs) Like, Mm, just how many writers, influencers, you know, leaders, gurus, uh, have camped out in Nashville. Mm -hmm. I think because Mm -hmm. it's a place where individuals can be very entrepreneurial and like depend on these loose kind of informal social connections to get going. Definitely. Yeah. Um, in a way that's like hard, much harder to imagine here or in other places. Yeah. And I've watched, um, in my, you know, in my years in New York, I have watched a number of my New York friends, particularly friends or acquaintances who work in some kind of Christian industry. Um, I have watched a lot of them move to Nashville. Um, and some people who own their own businesses, but they're sort of Christian businesses because I think it is, it's just easier to operate in Nashville where there's a whole network of other Christians who are also entrepreneurial and who can support each other. And obviously it's a little bit cheaper. And I think there is a sense of feeling more supported by being in a place that has more of a, of a focus on Christianity and more Christians in it, maybe per capita. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've heard someone say that being a Christian in a place like Nashville and certainly other parts of the South, but definitely in Nashville is of like, it's a, is of personal benefit. It's not just neutral or it's, Mm. it's certainly not a mark against you in the way that it might be in a place like New York. If not a mark against you, then at least it's not going to like earn you any points per se. Right. But being publicly identified as a Christian and having Christian identity be part of your brand or whatever you're trying to get done is going to help you in Nashville, which is why I think I feel a little skeptical of it or same. Well, I think when Christian identity is tied with accruing or consolidating financial, social, political power, you start to ask, and I don't have a particular person in mind, but you do start to ask, what is the what is the motive behind identifying as a Christian? Is it is it because it's convenient? I mean, I'm sure we grew up hearing about like cultural Christianity, <laughs> like right? Cultural yeah. Christianity versus real Christianity, and obviously that's too simplistic. But I do think in a place like Nashville, it can be easy to kind of check all the boxes of faith identity without necessarily having to do the work of identifying it for yourself beyond what you could get from it or identifying with like a group, you know, like that Mm -hmm. strong group identity. Yeah. Which is something we've talked about on the podcast before. I think some early on of some of the ways that New York has for us felt like it bolstered our faith was a sense that like you had to claim it. You couldn't really, you can't really be a cultural Christian in New York um, in the same way. Like Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just kind of don't, you're just kind of not a Christian. Like you don't, 
There right. Isn't, there isn't like a pull to church for like a social kind of reason or um, or an expectation. And so like you have to you have to make yourself go. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, I think in a place like Nashville, especially when you're livelihood is wrapped up on up in it as well um if you work for a christian company for example right. you know there's a way that like you kind of have to be a christian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean i don't feel this way now but certainly when i worked at christianity today another a part of another christian bubble uh-huh mm-hmm. it was sometimes difficult to distinguish between kind of public professional identity and personal faith identity i agree with that like was there even space to consider that in certain ways I might have slightly different convictions than like the formal <laughs> creed of Christianity today or, right. you know, um, I don't even have something specific in mind that I was wrestling with just that when, yeah, I think when your livelihood is tied up with faith identity, you're disincentivized to really wrestle with some of the thornier dimensions of faith because at least doing so kind of in any sort of public way because you want to keep your job and keeping your job means kind of aligning yourself with a kind of institutional faith identity. Yeah, definitely. And Bob, again, has written quite a bit um, when it comes to um, some of these companies, like I think especially Dave Ramsey's company, where there are a lot of requirements for working there um, to adhere to a faith value system. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes things even like uh, sex outside marriage. And in order to be an employee in good standing, you have to adhere to those. And if and there's sort of a whisper network, like if people find out, if your boss finds out, or then like your job is in jeopardy. I, I feel as if we could spend a whole episode. We could spend a whole episode on, on- that. That being insane. (laughs) I mean, I am so glad that my life is not policed at that level. (laughs) But yeah. Well, and as as I understand it, and everybody should go read Bob Smetana's report on this, on Ramsey Solutions. The title of the report is At Dave Ramsey's Company, Some Sex Outside Marriage Was Okay, Court Documents Show, because one of the top leaders at Ramsey Solutions was in fact having an affair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's evidence to suggest that other top leaders knew of this behavior, but kind of granted him this grace or second chance or whatever, mm-hmm. while a woman who got pregnant was fired because she wasn't married. Allegedly. Yeah. So, um, you know, with the whole like righteous living rules, it's at least good to in- enforce them consistently. <laughs> But I'll grant this, you that if you're going to have them, you know, this episode isn't about Dave Ramsey and Ramsey no. solutions. But when you talk no. about Nashville, I understand that, you know, the Ramsey empire takes up a lot of airtime and air in the room in a place like mm-hmm. Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This way that sort of Christian capitalism, Christian entrepreneurialism, like they, it really can, it really seems to have, it seems to thrive in Nashville. Yeah. Um, Nashville is a place where personal wealth and personal faith have a very comfortable relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you've known people who have left New York City for Nashville. So what what's up with that? Um, if you could speculate the motives of their hearts, what would you say? <laughs> I think um, the pandemic was hard on a lot of people. Um, so some of them that I know left during the pandemic um, for a place where they, I think, could buy a home and um, have space and have yards and gatherings with friends um, outside. Mm -hmm. So I think there was some of that, you know, I think a lot of people left during the pandemic, but I think for Christians, Nashville was a, was a draw because they already knew people there. Same as us. Mm -hmm. I also think as we've talked about, like there's opportunity there for Christians, especially if you work in a Christian industry or Christian adjacent industry, there's a lot of publishing, there's a lot of music, there's a lot of just entrepreneurialism. Um, And so you know, I think they saw a place where it would be easier to have a Christian company or to work for a Christian company. I think for some people, and I understand this too, like it felt like they would could be more known there by their faith um, and mm-hmm. be part of be part of faith communities and be part of communities that have a lot of faith, um, and to not feel like they have to fight for their faith in the same way um, as they had to here, and. You know, for some people that meant maybe a place where they could raise their kids in a in an environment that felt more Christian or more aligned with their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some people, I think it, it maybe was more of a comfort thing. Like New York is not a comfortable no place. No, it's not. And in a time of incredible social isolation and the city shutting down like who could blame any of us for wanting comfort you know for wanting there to not be as much like friction in Mm -hmm. daily Mm -hmm. life I'm thinking about Annie Parsons who until last year lived in Nashville for several years and we would connect over the phone or zoom during the pandemic and she was always telling me about this family down the street that she she was like potting with them and going over to their house on a regular basis and seeing their kids. And I just thought, wow, that, that would be so nice. (laughs) I know. I know. Like the ease with which that happened, that like neighborliness, you know, especially for her being a single woman who was living, you know, in her own place at the time. Mm -hmm. I just thought that sounded great and certainly is it easier in a place like Nashville. One of my good friends, also single in New York, moved to Nashville toward the tail end of the pandemic. Kind of did a half and half for a lot of the pandemic. But I think a big part of it for him was when he was in Nashville, he just saw people more often. Like he Mm -hmm. was staying with a friend and they had like, he could just sit out on the porch and people would like stop in or they would have, you know, even when it was, they were staying outside, there was just more opportunity for that, for like these backyard hangs. And I mean, honestly, I, I was jealous when he would tell me about it. I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I get that. Like we just go through so much to see people here there's no porch sitting here. To get to anybody, you had to get on a subway. You know, like, it just, it was harder. And I don't blame him for choosing Nashville over New York, especially after having that experience through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think, I definitely think for single people, there's a lot of ways that, you know, that was a real draw back home, wherever home was, you know, whether, mm-hmm. or or to places besides New York, whether that was Nashville or back home. Yeah. 
As an aside, my nephew, we were talking about Christmas decorations and he asked if I put up lights in my backyard. And I was like, well, I don't have a backyard. I live in this big building with other people. And it was just like a funny reminder that the way we've chosen to live is like kind of weird in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. That's That's a good segue to our next section, which is what would our life look like if we had chosen to live in Nashville instead of New York? Well, I'd probably sound like this. (laughs) I'd have a real soft, warm, welcoming. (laughs) Y'all come back. Now, this is all stereotypes. It is. Yeah. That would be like somebody (laughs) in Nashville being like, get out of my way. (laughs) Exactly. Give me some pizza. Come on. All right. Alternative universe, Nashville selves. Well, what would we be doing for work? Probably something not terribly dissimilar. I was going to say, I mean, there's a lot of Christian publishers in Nashville that, that you could work for. Yeah, or you could just sure. remotely do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> there is so much religion news to cover in Nashville. So I think I'd probably still be doing what I'm doing. Yes. Although maybe not because I did have a different job when I first thought about living there. I was working for a Christian company for Barna Mm -hmm. and one of my dear, dear friends in Nashville also worked for Barna. And I sort of had this wonderful like fantasy of us like working in each other's like living rooms and doing Mm. our jobs together, like in an, you know, like, like office culture, if you remember that. Um, But we would do that together in Nashville. Um, So maybe I would have stayed more in that world. More kind of explicitly Christian company Mm -hmm. organization. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Would we be living in homes right now instead of apartments? Yes, definitely. I would have liked to have bought a place maybe in East Nashville. That's where a lot of my Mm -hmm. friends are or kind Mm -hmm. of in that vicinity. I don't know all of the neighborhood names. Mm -hmm. That's the area where I could maybe have afforded a place too. Yes. (laughs) Not now. (laughs) Yeah. No, not now. Annie lived in East Nashville, sold her home and it sold well. I'll just say that. (laughs) (laughs) I think home ownership would, would be, yeah. You know, we'd be sitting at like a long kitchen table. Mm -hmm. Definitely like a soft colored wooden table with Magnolia style, beautiful marble in the background. (laughs) Yes. Fringe leather jacket? Actually, I think you have a fringe leather jacket. Um, my leather jacket does not have fringe on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. But Thank if you. you were in Nashville, it would. Maybe, yeah. I feel if I had moved to Nashville, I would have leaned harder into the hipster thing. Like, I think oh. that, you know, there's a lot of Nashvilles. There's, there's honky-tonk Nashville, but there's also, like, hardcore hipster Nashville, too. You would have kept your skinny jeans instead of gone wide leg. Maybe, or uh, I don't know, maybe maybe hipster culture now is something different. I've lost track. <laughs> I think the times that I've been to Nashville, there I've been to a couple specialty stores that sell like very nice, kind of like bougie cowboy outfit stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I would have invested. Nope. I immediately just saw myself wearing nope. cowboy boots and it yeah. made no sense. I couldn't I couldn't go there with you either. I was trying to imagine you in that and it wasn't working. But maybe you would shop at <laughs> Reese Witherspoon's store. 
Reese Witherspoon has a clothing store in Nashville. All right. I am assuming that you would have long hair with perfect beach waves. You know, like the lady Instagram influencers of Nashville. I'm not going to say no. I could see, I could see trying to replicate that look. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not above all peer pressure. Mm -hmm. I've never had really long hair. I've never really had long, I've never had hair past my shoulders, really. But my Nashville self would have indulged Mm -hmm. in some beach waves. Um, Would we still love martinis or is that a New York thing? Oh, good question. I mean, one of my best Nashville friends loves martinis. And I think she and I would have hung out a lot together if I lived there. So Mm. probably I would drink martinis. But I do agree that Nashville feels more like a whiskey town. More like a beer town. Bourbon town. Bourbon and beer. Yeah. There are a lot of songs about that. Shot of whiskey and a bottle of beer. (laughs) Again, stereotyping. Um, Most important... What would our faith look like if we had moved to Nashville? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm going to have to think about it. I'll give you a few minutes to think about it. But first, let's do a shout out for the news organization that makes this all possible. Religion News Service is an independent, award-winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics. Whether you celebrate Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Diwali, or nothing at all, RNS has you covered. And if you like what we're doing at Saved by the City, let us know. Throw us a rating or a review. It goes a long way toward helping get the word out about the show. We wanted to share some fun news that Saved by the City won a Religion News Association Award last month for enterprise reporting, specifically for our summer series on celebrity in the church. Woo! Some of the feedback we got from the judges, they said the series was equal parts irreverent and erudite. It included a discussion of Christian lady influencers mixing butt shots with quotes from Philippians. Wow. I didn't think that would make such an impression. (laughs) This entry is an excellent inside look at current Christian issues. Yay. Thank you so much, Religion News Association. Did we get a plaque of some sort? Um, I think maybe one will get mailed to us. I don't know. I haven't heard. I'm waiting for my plaque. Thanks to the judges for their thoughts. We'd love to hear your thoughts, too. Send us an email at sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we're starting to plan next season. So shoot us some ideas. Hey there, Curious Minds. Get ready to embark on a unique journey at the crossroads of money and religion with our new podcast, Money Meet Meaning. The seductive effect of money, we think it can do the work that God does because there's something about money that does that. It's wild. I'm Amber Hacker. And I'm Tom Levinson. Tune in for a blend of wisdom and levity as we decode the path to a more meaningful relationship with money. I think giving, and this is a little crass, But I feel like it's the ultimate middle finger to money. It's liberating to give some away. This podcast is your gateway to a vibrant and thought-provoking exploration of the interconnectedness of wealth and spirituality. Join us as we unravel the surprising influence of ancient wisdom on modern finances. Faith pervades people's lives and our society. And because money is such an important part of people's lives, exploring that intersection of faith and money, I think is super, super interesting. 
Get ready to be informed, entertained, and inspired to transform your financial outlook with Money Meet Meaning. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So back to that question hmm. All right. about okay. faith formation in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I was reminded of the fact that, and we, we talked about this in the very first episode of Saved by the City, that we, we heard some consternation about the fact that we were moving to New York as Christians. Mm-hmm. How would New York City like negatively affect our faith? Would we lose our faith here? The aforementioned slippery slope. But I do wonder if moving to Nashville, even though it is such a Christian place, would have had a worse effect on my faith. I mean, this is obviously a hypothetical, and I think it depends so much on who your friends are and the kind of church that you find or the kind of Christian community that you find. And I think that that could have been true in New York too. Like, I think I think there's a reason people say that about New York, and I think it's really easy to lose your faith here because you lose your Christian community or your mm. friends or you never find a good church. And so you end up having to battle for your faith all by yourself. I have really great friends in Nashville and most of them have kept a faith that I really respect. And so I like Mm. to think that I would have kept mine too. Mm -hmm. I think I would have had to fight different battles to keep it than I had to here. And in particular, I think in Nashville, it would have felt politicized even more. And Mm -hmm. I think that, especially during the pandemic, and I think that would have been really hard for me. Yeah. You mentioned there's not really such a thing as cultural Christianity in New York. Like Mm -hmm. you either choose to practice Christian faith or you don't, but there's no real, like you just go with the cultural flow and kind of everybody assumes you're Mm -hmm. Christian. That doesn't, you very much feel the choice here. I think in a place like Nashville, I imagine it's easier to conflate the Christian faith with a particular subculture. Mm -hmm. And that subculture happens to be more politically conservative, certainly even leaning toward Christian nationalism, as well as more kind of like faith and family values oriented. Mm -hmm. And I do think of Mm -hmm. that as a subculture rather than like the essence of Christian faith. Right. And so, or even just things like gender roles and expectations for women in the church or in ministry. I I can imagine I would have felt more of the friction around like the Christian subculture of a place like Nashville. And that would have created some angst, if not like losing faith or leaving faith. But when one particular subculture speaks so much for the whole, it's like, how do you retain the kernel of faith when the subculture is so loud and dominant and when you really are deeply at odds with it? And this really brings up another like flip side of Nashville's Christian subculture, which is the ex-evangelical subculture, the sort of alternative post-Christian scene in Nashville, which is where a good number of my friends reside. Some of them are very much still Christian. Some are not. Um, They're not only ex-evangelical, they would probably classify themselves as Mm ex-Christian. A bunch would say maybe they wouldn't use the ex-evangelical language. They would use post-evangelical language. Mm -hmm. But that's a real and thriving community in Nashville that I think many of them have found each other. And Mm -hmm. there's a sense of pushing back against that evangelical, mainstream, conservative, Christian 
occasionally venturing into Christian nationalism territory, right? Like this is a group that very much pushes back against that, sometimes in ways that I think are really beautiful and sometimes in ways where I worry that like their identity becomes about what they're not rather than who they are. Yes. And I think that's both of those things are happening in that community. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just relieved that I don't live in a Christian subculture, like a Christian bubble anymore. Yeah. You know, before moving to New York, I lived in another very much like Mm -hmm. Christian Mm -hmm. bubble. And just remember feeling like, I think especially around singleness and women's issues and identity, like I just have to fight to carve out a space for myself in this world. Mm -hmm. And like no one cares in New York and that's kind of a relief. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think to answer your question, um, what would my faith look like in Nashville? As we've talked about it, I think that has felt clarifying to me is I think that I would have landed in the post-evangelical scene and I fear that I would be spending a lot of my energy pushing back instead of trying to find something new or something that I can build or root for, which I feel like in my church community in New York has a flavor of that. Like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of wounded evangelicals in my church. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that before. And I think we are working as a church to figure out like, how are we more than just like a hospital for wounded evangelicals? And what do we do as people like heal and they find Mm -hmm. a faith that they can cling to and love as adults. And And that's where I really want to pour my energy is finding a faith that I can cling to and love as an adult and building a community around that. I think I I would worry that if I had been in a place like Nashville or another kind of Christian subculture that I would have felt myself constantly having to resist that and define myself against it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that would have been ultimately really damaging for me. Well, especially if... We had both moved there prior to 2016 or circa 2016 to 2022. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is all very hypothetical, right? And I don't want to give the place where we live too much credit for who we become. Like, Mm -hmm. there can be an annoying temptation among people who live in New York, myself included, to Mm -hmm. kind of center your identity around where you live. Mm -hmm. And even that has the flavor of like, I'm a New Yorker because I'm not like those, you know, I'm not from the Midwest, which I absolutely am. And I will always be a Midwesterner living in New York. And I am acutely aware dear listeners that right at this moment we are New York snobby and we are being like New York or nowhere and being a little judgy about Nashville so I am sorry and I love Nashville I miss Nashville I haven't been since the pandemic and I really want to get back there and I have so many dear friends there and I have to admit that I really respect a lot of my friends there who are doing hard faith work and, and there's a reason we've had a lot of Nashvillians on Saved by the City because people in Nashville are doing cool work and we talk to them all the time. So Hi, Amy Grant. Remember <laughs> us? Hey, Annie Downs. Hey, Kat Armas. We love you. Tyler Huckabee, I, I understand you're coming back soon. Woo! 
Yes. A little preview for a midwinter series for all of you. A four-part series that I will host alongside one of our favorite Nashvillians, Tyler Huckabee. And we will be talking about a subject that is near and dear to a lot of your hearts and uh, your bookshelves. I look forward to hearing more and to having Tyler come back. If he still will come back after we just talk trash about a city. I want to apologize for doing the twang. Because I know Mm -hmm. a majority of people in Nashville probably do not have a twang, nor do they fit the stereotypes of like, I don't know, a honky tonk bar. Like (laughs) there is an incredible amount of diversity and life paths you can choose within a place like Nashville. And I also acknowledge that as much as I'm glad to not be in a Christian bubble, New York City is its own kind of bubble. And Mm -hmm. certain assumptions about New York being the center of the world, that's really annoying. Like I I hate it when we do that. I know. I do too. (laughs) I mean... Yes, I very much, I believe I chose rightly (laughs) five years ago and also want to be open to imagining a beautiful and rich life in a number of places and believing that could have very much happened in Nashville. Absolutely. I am a big believer in the power of place. And well, I don't think it's the only player in your life. I think that any place that we live has a lot of power to shape us. And so I know that New York has had a big influence on me. And I think it has de facto had a big influence on my faith. And some of that has been for better and some of that has been for worse. And I think ultimately where you live will shape your faith and you will have to fight different battles to keep your faith, whether you live in New York or Nashville. I give a rootin' tootin' amen to that. Saved by the City is a religion news service production. The producer is Jay Woodward and the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell. We get production assistance from Elizabeth Joy Whitham. Chaz Rousseau put together our look and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music. We are Roxy Stone and Caitlin Beatty. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Yeehaw. (laughs) You can't use that. I can't say it right. Whatever. (laughs) Yeehaw. (laughs) Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Perfect.